yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Hello and welcome to episode 97 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Cauley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing great, Mark. How are you? I'm not bad. How are you, Jacob? Uh, I'm doing all right. We're trying to get these last couple weeks uh, going before the spring training and whatnot starts. Yeah, it's a little bit more than a few weeks. I'll tell you that much. I think, you know, we have some uncertainty over when baseball is going to start again in the spring, uh, which we'll talk about later on this podcast. But yeah, of course, all of us are looking forward to the spring, looking forward to when things can start up again for the Blue Jays and for everyone around Major League Baseball. Uh, But this week, there's really not much happening in the Blue Jay world. We've spoken previously over the fact that the longer the Blue Jays wait, the harder it is for them to get a big name. But so far, nothing. Um, And as we approach the end of the year, as we approach, as you said, Jacob, January, February, maybe the start of spring training, it's kind of the rivers run dry for the Blue Jays in terms of names are being connected with and in terms of actual signings. Although this week we did have a couple couple minor league signings to talk about. But let's start things off talking about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, We heard this week that he will be given um, every opportunity possible to reclaim his job at third base. That was Bob Nightingale reporting that. Um, Charlie Montoyo said that. And um, we've also been hearing a lot about Vladdy because he's been tearing it up in the Winter League. Um, He's playing in the Dominican Winter League, and over seven games so far, he has nine hits, um, three doubles, two home runs. Of course, we've all seen the videos of him celebrating both in the clubhouse and on the field. So, He's been kind of, I guess, the focal point of the past week in Blue Jays baseball, both both because of his on-field performance and because of um, the talk about him moving back to third base. And, of course, earlier in this offseason with the talk about him losing a lot of weight. So let's start things off with a conversation about moving to third base. He already moved from third to first. Do you guys support a potential move back to third base for Vladdy? Uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. might be fit to play third base again, but I I really don't know if that is necessarily what the team wants him to do. Uh, I like you said, Mark, he's putting in the work. We've clearly we've seen it all over social media throughout uh, pretty much this entire year, but especially as the as the season or at least the Blue Jays season ended. But I I just I think the team has other plans for him. Uh, I mean, obviously we've seen that. Ross Atkins has started to say, well, we're not going to, you know, shut the door completely. Uh, but at the same time, I think the Blue Jays have people that are coming up in eventually that, you know, they might want to leave it at third base or put into third base. You know, we've talked a lot about guys like Austin Martin, Jordan Groshans, who still might be a couple years away. But if the Blue Jays move Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to third base, then it's not going to be a temporary thing. It's going to be a permanent type thing. And then you have to, you know, rearrange the rest of the team. Uh, the only thing that I could maybe think of is if, you know, we've heard a lot of talks about trading uh, over the last couple months, you know, maybe Gritchick or somebody gets traded and then somebody, you know, like Austin Martin goes to, to center field or 
you know, however the Blue Jays want to do it to the point where they have an opening at third base, you know, possibly that, that could be what happens. But to put, other than that, I just, I don't really see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. fitting in third base or at third base just because of what the team has. Uh, I think what we will see though, in spring training, we'll probably primarily see him there just because, you know, if the Blue Jays want are even considering it, then they're going to want to see him, you know, stay at third base permanently, or at least, uh, in the spring training to try and earn that spot back. Um, but also one thing I want to say, if he moves to third base, uh, say for, for 2021, it will be permanent. He, he's not going to split time between, you know, first and third. And I think that's kind of expected uh, just because of, you know, you don't want to over confuse him. I mean, we've seen, he kind of had a, a bit of a rough transition to first base in the start of the year. And even, you know, there were a couple of just uh, judgment errors or, just throughout the season. So I don't think that necessarily they would be too keen on saying, okay, you know, continue to play third base, but also at the same time work towards kind of learning first base. I mean, it's not, I don't want to say it's overly difficult because he is a baseball player that is intelligent in terms of just baseball knowledge. But at the same time, that is still a position that is very different from third base. Uh, One thing that will also be interesting is where does Rowdy Telez fit in this? Because, if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. goes to third base, well, then you, you have a first base uh, spot open pretty much for the entire season. And uh, this year, Telez ended with a 283 batting average, which, you know, I'll take that. I mean, that, he was good. And especially towards the end of the season, you really started to heat up. So is that might be an option for the Blue Jays. Uh, but, you know, again, it I think all in all, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Guerrero Jr. is probably healthy enough and fit enough and you know he's probably I think he's put in enough work to earn a third base spot but I think it really just depends on if the Blue Jays can fit him into third base you know in terms of right now and in the future and when I say future I mean you know one to two years from now when all these other prospects start to come up so it it really just depends but I think one thing like I said we should expect is he will probably stay at third base pretty much for the entirety of the spring and who knows, maybe we do see him kind of, I don't want to say switch to third base, but, you know, kind of throughout the season earn a position where he, you know, he maybe he starts a game or a couple games or here or there. But overall, I think it just, it really just depends on if the Blue Jays can fit him into third base. So I, as of right now, I'm going to say probably not going to happen just because of those reasons. But I think, like I said, he's, he's fit enough to do it, but it's just really depends on if there's room for him. Yeah, um, I think a little bit differently about this one just because uh, it's just, first of all, we are in December and the Winter League is pretty much, I guess, just starting now. I don't know exactly how many games they play, but I believe they wrap up around the start of spring training or at least pitchers and catchers support sometime in February. And uh, the Yeah, one, so yeah. Looking, uh, looking at previous stats, um, the last time Vladdy played in the Dominican Winter League was 2017-2018. Um, and he played 26 games yeah. that year. So, so yeah, that makes, judging by those, yeah. he's he's probably about like a third of the way done. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, that makes sense, right? It's not overly too much, but uh, pretty much the story of the offseason in terms of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and this team is that he has been on a, I guess, or he's on some sort of plan to lose weight, and he has lost a lot of weight since the end of the season, and I guess even the start of the shortened season back in um, the end of July. And the one thing that uh, a lot of people took note of is going back towards the first spring, the original spring training before the shutdown. Uh, he looked very good 
in terms of conditioning and in terms of his weight. He looked a lot better than what we've seen him before, but uh, unfortunately, based off of the, or once, I guess, the new spring started when they all quarantined at Rogers Center, uh, he kind of, he didn't show up exactly um, fit, and who knows how much he did weigh, but he definitely was heavier than before. And that was a step back in terms of his devel development for sure. And when you look at it, he lost his pretty much his job at third base. And around the first or second day in, it was kind of the announcement that uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was going to go to first base. And it com makes complete or complete total sense based off of the shape he was in. The one thing that we've all been familiar with and the one thing we've spoken about all this time, and again, we've gone over this so many times going back to his minor league days, is that the weight is a, the weight's a problem, especially at a position like third base in terms of his mobility, uh, in terms of his positioning. And the one thing that he's always had, which is a good thing, probably his biggest strength is his arm. And his arm is very strong. But the one thing that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has done as well as lose weight is he's he's uh, he said multiple times to the media down in the Dominican that he is pretty much motivated and destined to win his job back at third base. And when you think about it like that, why would you want to give up on somebody who wants to play third base again in terms of if the Jays will allow him to do that. And for those reasons, I think that Charlie Montoyo is completely open to it as, as much as he actually said it on the record. He joined MLB Radio a few days ago and pretty much said that uh, if he's that open to it, why not give him a shot? Why, why shut things down there? And then that's where I kind of disagree a little bit, Jacob, is because I believe that he can easily win that job back during the spring. And if all goes well, carrying into opening day whenever that will be, assuming it's, I guess, April 1st, like, a usual opening day for um, a schedule. Why not him start third base at opening day? Why not? And he's proved himself so far in the Dominican League. He's played seven games and he's um, he's he's hitting very well. He's got two home runs in seven games. He's got an OPS over 1,000 right now, what 1,024. But his feeling, on the other hand, he's appeared in five games and he's made two errors um, since starting. Uh, he's got 13 assists and his feeling percentage is down. It's at 889, but of course it is relatively a small sample size, as you said, Mark. He's about one-third of the way through. So depending on his performance there and going into the spring of 2021, uh, I think you got to keep this door open, especially because he's pretty much, we've seen videos, we've seen clips, we've seen photos of how he's looked uh, based off of his weight since the offseason began, and he's looked good. And I think that's progress in terms of that. And even when you want to look at the the current depth chart for the Jays, they um, him going the first or going the third base, there is an opening for that when you look at it. And Jacob, you also mentioned Rowdy Telez, and of course, um, Rowdy Telez would benefit probably one of the most if this happened because that completely gives him an open spot at first base. With Tra Travis Shaw, he won't be back next year. Obviously, he was non tendered, and the Jays didn't really have a third baseman that there was somebody primarily there every single day. We saw Santiago Espinal there at times. We saw Kevin Biggio there at times. We saw um, Travis Shaw there at times. And um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was pretty much stuck at first base or he was DHing the odd time. And if you may move him back to third base, that gives him that that gives you that primary position again. I'm sure he'll mix in DH days. But for someone like uh, Rowdy Telez, he benefits the most out of that, in my opinion. He gets an open spot. He proved himself in 2020. Of course, going back to previous years, Rowdy Telez has been a little bit inconsistent. Um, a few of his past couple of seasons has required him to do a minor league stint at some point during the season. But I think he's proved himself, Rowdy Telez, and I think you got to give that shot to him as well. It's an opportunity for him to... Uh, possibly be an everyday player, and um, and for that reason, I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Def definitely has a chance 
And why not? I don't know why you would shut the door on that. He's 21 years old. He has lots of time to continue to develop. And he's looked good based off of his weight. And going to the, throughout the rest of the, the uh, Dominican League, if his numbers improve again or balance out over the course of the Winter League and going into spring training, I think that for sure is a lock of him playing third base at, during some games. Uh, if all goes well, why not move him back to third base? Because we know he has an arm, but the weight's been a problem. And um, for those reasons, I think you can't shut the door on it, and I think it's possible. And of course, it could go either way. It could fail again, the experiment, but why not try it again? Um, I just I think it's a logical move, and the right move to do is give him that chance again. I think he deserves it, based on what he's seen this offseason. I definitely think there's a chance that he moves back and that the Blue Jays could decide that he's better at third base, but I just... I, I guess I don't see the point of it happening, and I don't think the Blue Jays are going to make that move and allow Vladdy to move back to third if there isn't a point. Like, if he's—I think his defense is pretty similar, whether it's at first or whether it's at third, and maybe his weight helps with that a little bit. And, of course, if he's at third, he's able to use his arm, which, as you mentioned, Bryson, we know he has a really good arm. But I just don't see the point in shuffling him around if— He's relatively the same at both positions. Because if you, if you keep him at first, then sure, he runs into the problem with Rowdy Telez, and maybe maybe you want to move him to third so that Telez can play every day at first. But then if you move him to third, then you run into the problem of, okay, well, the Blue Jays are trying to get a bunch of infielders right now. What happens if they sign an infielder? Where do where, where does Kevin Biggio move? Where does Bo Bichette move if they get a guy like Francisco Lindor? So I think there's... Uh, of it, the, he, he's good enough to move and he's good enough to play anywhere. But it's a question of whether there's an actual benefit to moving him. And I just don't see there being that much of a benefit. You know, maybe the benefit is just the fact that Vladdy wants to play at third and moving him to third makes him happy and that's enough to make it worth it. But I just, I think once you've moved him, you know, the inertia is in favor of keeping him there. I, I don't, I don't see the logic in moving him around if it doesn't improve the team. If the Blue Jays think it it improves the team to move it back to third, sure, whatever. Um, I'm happy with that. But if it doesn't improve the team, which I don't think it really would at this point, I don't really see the point of making that move. No, Yeah, it, it makes sense uh, to believe that. And, of course, there's lots of pros and cons to the list. And, Mark, you might be right. His weight change or not, who knows if... You know, there's definitely, there's not a guarantee that that completely changes overall performance at third base. Um, but like I said, even, I guess, like if he moves back to third or even if he stays at first, like it just doesn't, for, for me, it doesn't really change anything, like in terms of playing time. I just, I feel like it's like, it, it's an easy move to do based off of their, their roster, but is, is it a move that would be worth it or is it a move that would, you know, make it a much different scenario for the team? That's the that's the one thing. And, of course, if you were saying if it was worth it or not. But, like, that's the thing. They have flexibility to do it. And for Rowdy Telez, obviously, it opens up more playing time or at least more playing time at him for first bases. He'd probably be that primary DH anyway. And if Vladdy stayed at first and they'd kind of, I guess, flip-flop in terms of DH first base, DH first base. But, yeah, it's just the, the one thing I am curious, though, I just... You know, a lot of people, again, we, we even talked about this and people are saying, too, the weight's an issue. Um, I would like to see him in spring training games, though, at third base. I just, I would like to see with my own eyes. I just think it's something that I think something, 
is worth experimenting on because I don't think it'd be a major adjustment for him. Obviously, he's played there before, and uh, there was at times this year where he struggled at first base as well. So you know, he just—I feel like he's somebody that's kind of stuck in the middle, and you know, he knows we know he wants to play third base. He's always wanted to play first base, or sorry, third base. But you know, unfortunately, entering spring training 2.0 this summer, uh, he was not in shape, and they—you know—the right thing to do, especially for a team that was that made the playoffs, they, I, it was just something that wasn't worth it for them to go through in terms of, you know, possibly making a number of errors at third base that could cost the team games. And it was kind of like a safe option or a safe decision that the team made. And uh, it was the right move to make at the time. But yeah, either way for me, it doesn't change anything for me if he goes to third base or first base. Either way, uh, we know what we're getting out of him and he could. there's still lots of room for him to improve. And I guess even on the defensive side of things, there is more uh, room for him to improve as well. But yeah, I just think it's something that you got to keep the door open with. But either way, if he stays at first or moves over to third, it doesn't really change much for the infield. The only change it kind of makes is that it gives Travis, I'm sorry, uh, it gives Roddy Tellez more playing time at first base primarily rather than DH. And then it, I guess it kind of solidifies an everyday third baseman again this year. Because like I said last year, it was Travis Shaw, it was Espinal, it was Biggio, it was a bunch of players moving around from third base. So we'll see what happens, but either way, it won't make a major like impact in terms of the Jays have to you know, add here or add there. They can, they can easily stick with him at third, first base or move him back to third base without any really problems. So we'll see what happens, but something I think they should keep the door on. Yeah, one thing that I think is a little bit interesting is say Vladimir Guerrero Jr. does go to third base. Uh, you mentioned someone like Kevin Biggio, who's... He pretty much plays everywhere, uh, primarily second base, but he he really could go anywhere. Uh, and uh, one thing that I think could happen is you see, you know, Lindor possibly take over, you know, short or second. I think Bo Bichette will just go to wherever Lindor's not playing, and then maybe that means Kevin Biggio goes to you know center field or he goes somewhere, and then Grichik's gone because it's just maybe this is. You know, one of those things that on its own, you know, just moving Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to third base or removing or putting him back there, it's just, you know, it doesn't seem like a huge move uh, by itself. But then when you say, hmm, well, we're going to go get a second baseman or, you know, another infielder, and then the guy that normally plays there is going to go somewhere else, and then where he he's going to take someone else's job. So who knows how that's going to go. But I think overall, like like we've all said, it's just... Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has put in the work uh, that could easily make him a good third baseman. I just think the Blue Jays have this odd puzzle of where they need to figure out where everyone is going to play. And if they can make it him fit in third base or at third base, then by all means do it. But I think it's just it's going to have to be something where if it works, it works. But if if he doesn't fit in third base or at third base, then it's just probably not uh, unfortunately going to happen. Here's a question for you guys. We know that the front office loves flexibility. Like it's their favorite word it, uh, alongside has interest in um, this offseason, of course. So because they love flexibility, do you think they'd be open to a situation where, where Vladdy is playing both first and third base? 
because that gives them the flexibility to move around and say, okay, today we want Kevin Biggio at third so we can put Santiago Espinal at second so we can keep Bo at third or at shortstop. So today we're going to have Vladdy at first. But then maybe they have another situation where they want to get Rowdy Telez into the lineup. So they put Telez at first, of course, having someone else at DH and then having Vladdy at third, you know, having Vladdy being able to play both positions gives them more flexibility and this team loves flexibility so do you think they could move forward with him kind of moving between the positions I'm gonna be honest I I'm gonna say no to that just because I think there's a lot of uncertainty with who would play where basically every single day you know you want Vladdy like you said Mark you know Vladdy at third uh, Telez at first one day, and then you know Vladdy's at first the other day, and Telez is DHing, and Espinal's at third base, or Biggio's at third. Yeah, you know, I think that would be. I mean, it could work, but I think the Blue Jays might. You know, they they want to know who's going to play where pretty much every day, and you know, look back at the last kind of the last era of of Blue Jays players. You know, we had Donaldson at third base all the time. Pilar played center field pretty much every single game. Uh, I think that's what the Blue Jays, at least that's what I think they should do. Maybe maybe they have that idea. I think that it's not out of the question, but do I? I don't really think that's the best option for them, just because, like I said, it's just there's so much, there's so many pieces and so many moving pieces that are that are, are interchangeable each day. So I I think they might just say, you know, you're going to be our third baseman or you're going to be our first baseman. And also one thing I should mention is. The transition to first base was a little bit tough for Vladdy. I mean, obviously he can learn. He's not he's not uh, unable to f- learn a new position. And obviously just, you know, with time, I think one of the, the biggest problems, he wasn't necessarily a bad fielder, but I think he just was lacking a bit of intuition, which c- kind of expected because he, he hadn't played first base. So there was a few instances where, you know, uh, the, the ball was hit kind of in between uh second base and first base and you know typically you'd see the second baseman get it or it was kind of it was close enough that Vladdy should have gone to first and the pitcher could get it like there there was a few situations like that where he just I think he just needed more experience at at the position to understand how to do that or to how to properly field that but I really don't think that the Blue Jays want to have him basically learn to not learn two positions but you know simultaneously take over two positions uh, just because it's, it, I think it would overcomplicate things for him, uh, and it's just in terms of a, uh, in terms of how you you plan your infield and plan your roster. Really, I think they want to have, uh, they want to solidify who's going to play where, uh, what, uh, when. And I mean, obviously, there's a few different scenarios. Like you have a, you're facing a lefty, and you'll have these guys hitting because they're they can, uh, they're a righty or they can they're a switch hitter or something like that. But I think for the most part, the Blue Jays. They want to know who's going to play where uh, pretty much for all the time. Yeah, that's a good question, Mark. And for the reason of flexibility, I, I disagree with Jacob. I think that if the time came or the situation came where they, let's just say he, let's just say he moves back to third base. And then the situation came where there was one day where they needed him to play first. So X player can go to third or even vice versa where Vladdy could play first and then they need someone else at first so he can go to third. Why not? I, you know, when you looked at it last year too, when they made the announcement that he was making the change to first, um, the one thing that they did say, as much as you could not even read too much into it, they did say that he would be still available at third base for some sort of an emergency situation. And um, 
when I just think of that and when I think of the flexibility, the word flexibility, I think, you know, for someone who's gone back and forth now, who's played both positions, there's familiarity, especially um, with first base. And Jacob, I know you said he struggled at first base at times, which he did. And of course he did. But the one thing here is it's not like he's learning two different positions. He's played third base his whole life. Uh, regardless of how long he's been away from third base, it's kind of like almost riding a bike again for him to regain that rhythm. But the problem with Vladdy, of course, has been the errors because that's one thing that has come up so much over the past couple of years when we saw him at third base. But he's familiar with third base in a way. And if they want to be flexible, Mark, you know they you said the word flexible. And of course, we all know that. Why not? Like, why not? Why shut the door on that? Why not keep that as an option? It's not, I'm not saying it's going to happen every day or at least three times a week. It may happen once a month. It may happen once in half of a season. Like, it's it's something that doesn't have to occur, um, you know, frequently for it to be possible. And when I just think of the word flexibility, just, I know it's a different, you, you can kind of compare it just because, um, I guess, with flexibility, but of course, they're different fielders and, you know, uh, they're different, I guess, just different all around. Kevin Biggio, I know he's a better fielder much than Vladdy all around, but look at him. He's played first base, he's played second base, he's played third base, he's played a game in left field, maybe right field. And, you know, just the only thing I'm using that as some sort of, um, I guess, to support that is just the word flexibility. And like I said, if the time came where they needed him to play the opposite or, you know, a different position, and in this case it would only be third or first, I just, I don't know why it would be something that you would close the door on. And like I said, it doesn't have to happen frequently, maybe once or twice a year, three times a year, maybe only emergency situations. But it's something that you should deeply consider, especially if you want to make the lineup better. And, you know, like you said, even Jacob, you referenced the possibility still of a Lindor trade. You know, this team could look different in two months as much as spring training is approaching rapidly. And it's going to be here sooner rather than later, faster than we all think, because this, this is what always happens. It creeps up on us. Uh, just in time, the the roster could look different. And what if you need Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to, you know, go back to third base for a game or move back to third permanently, and then the odd time go play a game at first base? Why not uh, keep that door open for flexibility? That's the only reason why is because we've seen it with players in the past on this team. We've seen the organization hint at it, and we've seen the organization do it in games in terms of people playing different positions, you know, accordingly. I could definitely see a situation where. They use him at third or at first, depending, you know, where he ends up playing regularly in a pinch. I don't think he's going to be bouncing there day in and day out. But I can definitely see a situation where, you know, they they're, the certain lineup construction or maybe there's an injury to a player that just demands he play in that situation. Because, I mean, you brought up the comparison of Kevin Biggio. I think that's adequate. I mean, Biggio, he plays everywhere, really. I, you know, in order of how many games he played at these positions, in 2020, he played in second base, right field, third base, center field, DH, and left field. So he practically played everywhere except for shortstop, third base, first base, catcher, and pitcher, right? And catcher and pitcher, we're never going to see him there. But I, I wouldn't put it out of the question that we could see Biggio at shortstop or at first base, like, he plays pretty much everywhere, but, you know, he played 37 games at second base, 14 games in right field, 10 games third base, 3 games center field, 1 game left field. So I think that shows the Blue Jays, even though Biggio has the ability to play pretty much everywhere, they're very hesitant with when they play him elsewhere. You know, he's a primary second baseman. He only played 14 games in right field after 37 games at second base. So I think that shows that the Blue Jays might use Vladdy 
in a very limited fashion like they do with Biggio. He might be predominantly a first baseman or predominantly a third baseman if they feel the need to move him there. But I could see him occasionally taking games and grounders at first or third, depending where they need him. I don't think it'll be a a type of thing where, you know, I think we saw Travis Shaw kind of regularly bounce between first and third. I don't think it's going to be something like that. I think it's going to be something like Biggio, where maybe he takes the occasional game in right field and then regularly slots in at one of those positions. And I think, again, with Biggio, Biggio also, if you remember, he's a good defender, but he wasn't fantastic in the outfield. Like, he he made his mistakes. We saw a couple games where I think there was a game where a ball rolled past him or maybe he made a dive and he shouldn't have dove at that ball because it rolled past. I don't quite remember, but I know he's not the best in right field or left field or center field. He's predominantly a second baseman. I think it would end up being the same thing with Vladdy. He would be best at the position that he normally plays at, but... He could make mistakes at a position he moves to, but if the Blue Jays need him there, um, they they might make that decision. I, I'm going to be honest. I think this is where the Blue Jays and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. are probably going to benefit. Uh, I think what you guys just said in a pinch, you know, switching first to third is probably the most likely, and that I think I'm fine with. Uh, but one of the benefits is is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has always played third base, and now he's he has some experience at first base. So, you know, worst case somebody gets injured, you know, Telez, whatever, he, you know, trips in the dugout and he can't play today. You just put... Don't jinx it. <laughs> yeah, well, probably shouldn't have said Jeez, that. But we're only in December here. <laughs> no, but, but that's what I mean. Like, if, if they needed him to play first base or third base, you know, whichever position he doesn't end up predominantly playing, you know, they need him to play the opposite or play that position for one game, I think could definitely happen. Uh, but I guess the, the way I perceived it at the start was kind of him going everywhere, or playing kind of splitting the time between those two positions, which definitely I don't think will happen. But if it becomes a, hey, we need you to play third today or we need you to play first today uh, and you you typically play the opposite, I think that might that might be a good option. I mean, like you said, Bryson, flexibility is key. Uh, but I think the Blue Jays might want to save that flexibility for if they if they actually need it rather than just saying, you know, we're going to we're going to have Vladdy play first and third primarily it's it's going to be a he's a third baseman who can he can play first base one time or you know something happens he plays first or he's a first baseman and he takes over third for one game but but yeah it's not a bad idea it's just I think it, it would really depend on how the Blue Jays want to utilize that flexibility yeah like I said too it doesn't have to happen it doesn't have to happen frequently right it can happen once twice or three times a year emergency situ- situations you know the odd time but just to say the word flexibility and to not rule it out, that's why I think that it can only, it doesn't have to happen frequently to make it possible. And to even be, you know, to, especially like I've seen it all with this team in defensive positions. Like when you look at it, like Russell Martin played a, a game for this team at left field one day at Fenway Park, like in terms of flexibility. But that's why I just think, um, I just think you could see anything in terms of that word. And I know it was under different management, but it was still under the same front office at least. But I just, that's why I just, something that you can't rule out with this team and the word flexibility. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if it does happen. We don't even know if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to win a job back at third base. For all we know, he could go back to being a everyday first baseman, depending on his performance for the rest of the winter and spring training. Yeah, and we're not even talking about the possibility that, you know, he's lost a lot of his weight, so his defense is better but it's also going to be better at first as it would be at third. Like, he yeah. made mistakes at first, but I think it was mainly, like, 
foul ball, catching foul pop-ups, stuff like that. So if he's lost weight, if he's become more agile, then he's going to be better at first as well. So I think that's something we also have to consider. But um, I want to ask you guys next about the delay in opening day that we've heard about. But first, let me tell you about easy private pitching clinics. Do you or your kids play baseball? Are you looking for a way to stay active throughout the winter months while in the safe and comfortable environment of your home? Easy Private Pitching Clinics is offering virtual clinics that allow you to work on all baseball skills, strength and conditioning, fitness, and more. They offer personalized sessions based on what you want to work on and what equipment you have from your own home. If you're interested in booking a session with these experienced coaches, email easyprivatepitchingclinics at gmail.com. That's ezprivatepitchingclinics at gmail.com. Or check out their website at easyprivatepitchingclinics.com. Some people are saying that, or owners are saying, or reported to have said that they want to delay opening day and delay spring training until every player is vaccinated. Um, Of course, now we know there's been... um, one vaccine approved in Canada, two approved in the U.S. Um, we could see a situation where players are starting to get vaccinated before the start of the season. But now the owners are saying, of course, they want to delay the entire thing until every player is vaccinated. Um, first off, I guess, how likely do you think it is that this plan will actually take place, that they could delay the season, shorten the season to make sure everyone gets vaccinated beforehand? And second off, just what do you feel about this this move to you know delay things? Because I know we experienced a very rough delay earlier this year of a couple months, and it wasn't fun to go through. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm going to be honest. I... I think it's a good plan in theory, but I, I, I don't know how likely it is. Now, I think it it's probably the best option. Uh, you know, you, you vaccinate everybody and then, you know, worst case, uh, say the Blue Jays, their home field is, say it's in Buffalo, worst case. They go to, say, I don't, I don't know their schedule off the top of my head, but say, say they're in L.A. or whatever. You know, they, they're going everywhere. Uh, they're interacting with a lot of different people then theoretically they're fine you know the but i think it would take a very long time to actually vaccinate everybody uh one thing we need to realize is uh, i know the way canada is distributing the vaccine is it's starting with the i believe the long term care workers and it's going to like healthcare workers and then it's going to uh older people then at uh people who are more at more of a risk to potentially die you know, and then it's just going to go to the general public after that. So it depends on, I think, if the league themselves start to make some t- some sort of agreement with, you know, one of the two, uh, one of the two companies with the vaccine, or both of them, or you know, they do something with the U.S. government, or they do something in order to get their players. Who I, I'm going to be honest, I think a lot of them would fit into the general public category more often, and that's not a bad thing. I just, you know, I think they would kind of have to vaccinate them over a lot of other people first in order for it to work uh but i think it's a good idea overall uh i think one thing that will have to also be discussed is what if there's a player who doesn't want the vaccine you know are they not allowed to play or does you know we saw this year if you wanted to forfeit uh your paycheck and you know not play this season that was an option for you but like I said, you had to forfeit your paycheck, you know, so is there somebody saying you, you don't, you don't get vaccinated, therefore you're not playing, you know, how's that going to work? And then could people argue that, well, that's not fair because it's voluntary technically, you know, you don't, you're not legally 
forced to take it. So, you know, how's that going to work? But overall, I think it's a good idea. Um, probably the safest idea for both the players, uh, the staff, anybody who's in uh, consistent contact with the players and also just the people out in the city. Because one one thing that was interesting as we mentioned this a couple weeks ago with the Travis Shaw comments about how he didn't want to stay in the Rogers Center's hotel for the entire homestand of the or any time that the Blue Jays were in Toronto, they had to stay there. And I think Mark, you said it's not that bad of a situation because if the Blue Jays go to Boston, they can follow uh, the Massachusetts rules. You know, if they're allowed to to run around this the um, the city or that you know go for a run or do, do something like that, that's allowed. So it'll be interesting to see you know how that type of stuff works and but overall i think like i said it's probably the best option uh you know do the blue J- or not the blue jays the the league how do how do they how do they go about distributing it you know like i said they're going to need some type of agreement or so, some something that gets the players kind of ahead in the line of getting vaccinated but it, it'll be interesting to see also like i said you know how do they how do they determine what happens if you don't play or you don't get vaccinated because that I think will be very interesting, not even just for the players, but I've no, I know a lot of people that are a bit hesitant to take it. So how do the players feel about that? Uh, and, but overall it's, it's a good idea. Uh, I think it is a little bit likely, honestly, I mean, pushing the season back about a month ish. I mean, not the end of the world, uh, as long as you, first of all, they got to realize that, pushing it back a month means you got to start getting vaccinated soon because I believe, I think it, I want to say it was Pfizer. You need two shots, three weeks apart. So if you want to, if you want to play in, if you want to start your season around the beginning of May, well, first of all, is the vaccine going to, do you have to have it before you go to spring training? Or is that going to be a, you know, you, you work with your team, you know, you quarantine with them and then you get vaccinated kind of before you get released into the rest of, into the regular season uh and if you do then or either way you uh you would have to start vaccinating players within the next couple months because when you think about may you know uh, possibly the end of april possibly you get the second dose which means the beginning of april you get the first dose so i mean there still is time but i think there's still a lot of things that would have to be considered and a lot of logistical challenges, but I think overall it's a good idea, and I would like to, I would like to see this. I, I don't think that this would necessarily uh, change the plans of the Blue Jays or change the allowance of the Blue Jays coming into Toronto, uh, coming in and out of Toronto and out of Canada. Uh, I would like to see that. I mean, if they're vaccinated, then you know they don't really pose much of a risk, or at least I would like to think that. But overall, I think that in terms of from a Blue Jays perspective. I think they should take it, but then it's just a matter of, you know, do they actually come back to Toronto? But I'm not sure. It, it really, it really depends. I think on the state of, you know, the world, not the world, but the the two countries and you know the vaccine, the kind of the progression in the vaccine rollout. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this too much. I just I, what I hope is that this is not another tactic by the owners in order to delay the season purposely so they can save money. Because the one thing for certain is there won't be. Um, again, there probably won't even be fans in certain states at certain uh, baseball parks across the United States. And if the Jays somehow play back at Rogers Center, I can pretty much guarantee there won't be any fans at least to start. And if fans come back at some point, it's going to be a, a probably a limited capacity again for 
most of the year. So that's the only thing I'm a little bit worried about. And then the second thing I'm worried about is that, like like you said, Jacob, um, well, as much as it could be a good thing for the players, uh, it's you're going to have a hard time convincing every single player to take this vaccine. And I think, let alone if you want to separate this even more from a Jays perspective, just because... Um, it's going to be hard to convince everybody on the Jays roster to take a vaccine. And it's just, it's one thing where you have, everyone has a different opinion on it. Either you are all for it, um, you may be against it because of the unknown side effects, because of how certain or how quickly this vaccine was made. And it just, it brings up too many hurdles for me to say that every player should be vaccinated. And Jacob, I think you said in a couple of months they should start back getting vaccinated. I think if they really want to do this, they would have to start in the next couple of weeks because you have to distribute this in the course of two to three months. And for a May start for a regular season, that means spring trainings would have to start in April. So unless they're talking about, I don't know if it was regular season starts in May or spring training, but either way, if you're looking at a round of May start date, that limits potential games to around 130, 140. So that's the other thing. And then the other thing I have is that the backlash they could possibly get, because if you want to, for the league to get the vaccine, you need to do some, you need to, I guess it would be a private purchase. And the amount of backlash you'd get from the public because of how, I guess it's being prioritized to professional athletes. I think that's another thing you have to deal with. And that's another problem because if it's, if the MLB doesn't do a private purchase, it's going to be darn near impossible for every player to be vaccinated because, of course, you have to count the general population of um, where you are. And, of course, a small chunk of that would be professional baseball players or even professional athletes. So that's why, unless it's a private purchase, I think this is the only way it could be done. And um, I just, that's a lot of, that's going to be a lot of criticism the league gets if they want to do that. And then, of course, the vaccine isn't even mandatory, you know, I guess, countrywide in the Canada and the United States. So how are you going to make it mandatory in Major League Baseball? Because that's it. just the, pretty much the point I'm trying to make here, here is there's way too many hurdles for me to believe that this is something that could be done. And this is something that most of the players want. Who knows how many players want this vaccine unless... I guess the only way you can find out is if you do some sort of vote or some sort of survey throughout the Players Association, but that is why I'm probably, or I don't know how I feel about it, and to make things simple, I just think that you need to put in the proper protocols and play a full season and get back to normal, because you have every right to be able to do that. You have protocols that have been put in place. I'm sure there's a lot of lessons you learn based off of last year at the start of the season. We saw the outbreaks through teams, and as much as, and if Everyone can admit, as the season went on, uh, the protocols did get better and the cases went down per team. Less postponed games happened. And I guess the next hiccup after those outbreaks early on in the season was the the Justin Turner uh, positive test during the World Series. So other than that, throughout most of the season, the MLB did a pretty good job. And I guess across other sport leagues, uh, the NBA is about to start their season and they have protocols put in place as well, I think. In their latest round of testing, only one player out of about 500 or something like that tested positive, which is a massive win for the league. So if you put in the proper protocols, again, it's something you can be, it could be done. Will the players follow it? Um, that's another thing you're going to have to try and convince them to do. And of course, I think a lot of people learned a lot of lessons throughout the Marlins outbreak and the Phillies outbreak and the Cardinals outbreak. But in terms of a mandatory vaccination for the players, it, just, it doesn't seem realistic to me, even if they wanted to do this. And then, of course, the points I brought up before, the I guess the private purchase you'd have to make or the players wanting to do it because, again, there's there's no way you're going to have 
um, every single player. It's not darn near impossible for them to be on board with this vaccine. Ever, like I said, everyone has a different opinion on it. Some people support it because I guess politicians support it. And, um, you know, the other thing too is there's, I guess the good thing about this too is, Jacob, you mentioned the Pfizer vaccine. Of course, there's, a, there's other vaccines. The Moderna one was just approved by the United States and it was just approved by Canada. And Canada is actually getting, I guess, their first shipments of the Moderna, Moderna one sometime next week. So I guess before the end of the new year. So this, the distribution is going to start increasing in the new year. But for that reason, if there's no private purchase, it's just, it's not going to be, I don't think you have any time to do it. And if you want to delay the start of the season to May, I just I still don't think that's a guarantee that you can vaccinate at least half the league by then. There's just too many people in the United States and Canada, and it just it just doesn't make sense to me or seem realistic. But it's just it's a very it's not it's a touchy subject with people in terms of if they are willing in order to get this vaccine. And you know, regardless of how quick it was made, if you trust the COVID vaccine, there's also people that don't trust the flu shot. When you want to think about it like that, there's people that don't believe in the flu shot and other sort of vaccines. And that's why it just, it doesn't seem realistic to me, but we'll see what happens. And um, like I said, going back to what I said right at the beginning, I just hope it's not some sort of tactic for the owners to try and delay to save more money again, because we know there's likely won't be any fans starting by April because, and I to compare back to the NBA, I believe it's only seven out of 30 teams that will be having some sort of limited amount of fans. And one of them is the Raptors, of course, but they're playing in Tampa. So that's the other thing. That's the one thing I'm a little bit worried about. But just a mandatory vaccination for all players, it just it doesn't seem realistic to me. And that's why I think they should just put in proper protocols and stay on course for a whatever this uh, spring training report dates are. It's usually the end of February and opening day this year slated for April 1st. So that's why I think they should just stay on course and deserve to play 162 games this year unlike last year yeah it's like it's not gonna happen in my mind like there's no way this happens like you said they they would have to privately purchase that and like besides all the public relation problems that that would bring like frankly personally i just think that's a bad decision like to take vaccines away from the most vulnerable people who need them in order to survive and give them to you know 600 or a thousand, you know, well off 20 to 40 year olds who are in peak physical condition, who are not the ones at risk of dying from COVID 19. I, I, to me, that's like kind of disgusting. I don't, I don't think Major League Baseball should do that because ultimately that's what it comes down to. Um, if they make a private purchase of the vaccine and then on the public relations side of things, like it'd be a disaster. We know that much. I mean, the NHL, they, it was leaked that they were in discussions about maybe doing something similar. And I mean, just on Twitter, here's three tweets I found criticizing it. And these are the top three tweets in response to the first report of this. The first one is, since initial supplies of vaccine are finite and limited, will the NHL release also released a list of 600 teachers, chronically ill, and other frontline workers who will have their vaccines delayed? And then another tweet, this should be illegal. And a third, if they get away with this, the whole world would turn their backs on them Hockey players should refuse to take it. The world should refuse all future interest in hockey. So that's just a taste 
of the response and the backlash Major League Baseball would get. And then again, some um, opinion pieces um, in Canadian media. Uh, Global News has an opinion piece called, Hey NHL, stand in line for your vaccines, um, instead of jumping ahead of frontline workers. Um, uh, Op-ed in the Globe and Mail, the NHL needs to stop even talking about jumping the COVID-19 vaccine And then in the Minnesota Star Tribune, um, NHL, others in for PR disaster if they want an early COVID vaccine. I mean, it's going to be no different with baseball. Major League Baseball would go through the exact same thing if they do something like this. And I I don't think they should. Um, When it comes to mandating the vaccine, that's a whole other can of worms. There are definitely anti-vaxxers in Major League Baseball out of, you know, a thousand players or certainly people who would refuse to take the vaccine, whether irrationally for anti-vaxxer reasons or potentially rationally because of concerns over allergic reactions that we've seen, although even those are incredibly rare. So yeah, that's another PR disaster, another logistical disaster that I don't want to see MLB take on. And then lastly, like you said, like there's just no reason for this. Like, they just had a successful season with a a semi-successful, I guess you could call it a bubble, although we really shouldn't, a modified bubble, and it was successful. They've done this. So what is the need of having a vaccine? Of course, it's not great if you have players not being able to see their family or, you know, not being able to, I don't know, what they want to do, go out on the town, go out to a restaurant or whatever, but... Like, they've done this. The sacrifice has already been made. So, again, I I, I think I agree with you, Bryce. It's just the owners trying to deflect and figure out a way to pay their players less because they realize that there's not going to be any fans this season for the majority of teams. All right, the last thing we wanted to touch on today is probably the biggest news of the week, maybe the month in terms of Major League Baseball. Uh, The Cleveland baseball team announced after thorough review they would be changing their name away from what it is now towards a new name in the 2022 season. Um, This is something that, of course, all of us are celebrating. Um, If you paid any attention to at least my Instagram and what I've said on this podcast, I haven't said this name for a while um, because I think it is offensive and I think it should be celebrated that they're moving on from it and towards uh, bigger and brighter things in the future. And um, But there are problems with this announcement being made in the way it was. They said, yes, this name is problematic, but we're going to keep using it until 2022. The first thing I found weird. The second thing I found weird, they're still selling Chief Wahoo merchandise and merchandise with the team name on it, and they are donating the money from that merchandise that is purchased to um, efforts that support and promote diversity, equity, and inclusion, and um, Native American-focused organizations and causes, which is another, I just totally don't understand the line of thought to say this stuff is offensive so we're going to keep selling it to help the people we are hurting i don't understand that line of thought um but again this should be celebrated that they're finally doing it but the way that they're doing it is very confusing um and very um counteractive in and of itself yeah i think overall it is a good thing uh it I can't really necessarily go against it. I mean, I, it's fair to say that we all kind of knew this was going to happen, uh, especially with uh, what happened with Washington in the NFL. They've 
completely they got rid of their logo and their name you know now they're i think just called the washington football team or i don't i don't really pay attention to the nfl i don't know if they've changed anything yet but like i said it was going to happen uh we saw like you said mark the with the chief wahoo logo that was i think that was a couple years ago at this point that they got rid of it now their logo was just the the c that was typically uh on their on their hats so it's overall not not a terrible thing i mean it's good that they've done it uh or at least that they plan on doing it the only thing you said actually i didn't know this but about the fact that cleveland is not or they are selling all of their merchandise and donating the money the only thing i can kind of understand from that is maybe it was just going to get thrown out and i guess yeah it is you know a bit problematic but i guess I don't know. It's, it's it's definitely, I guess, I get why it's controversial, but I, I think they're just, rather than just, you know, discarding it and, you know, throwing it out or doing whatever they would do with it, I guess the money is still are going towards something good. I, I don't know. It, it is, again, it is a little bit interesting. One thing I, I do want to say, though, is, so we do know that the name, logo, basically their marketing surround, surrounding what they're currently called is going to be changed. However, it's going to be changed, I believe, for the start of next season, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I would like to maybe see something like the Chicago Blackhawks get integrated into their organi- organization because it's it's the same, or it's a similar idea. You know, they're going back to the native roots, but they have kind of a... Uh, Actually, well, the name Blackhawk, it, it's its not overly offensive. I mean, the logo is actually very similar to what Washington's uh, logo was. However, the term Blackhawk pretty much just means the leader of, you know, a tribe. And I think that's probably, you know, something that could be integrated into Cleveland's new name. I mean, at the end of the day, like the leader, you know, when you, when you try to Google it, it's, you know, kind of like the leader of a tribe, you know, all these types of things. Yeah, Chief, Chief Blackhawk, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's not. Uh, I mean, the name. It's definitely a bit of a less uh, offensive way to say it. I mean, it's it, the idea. I think would be okay, but you know, again, the the name that they've been using is. I understand why people don't like it. Uh, but yeah, overall, I don't really disagree with what they did. I mean, it, it it's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it, and I do agree that you know there are people that were you know, they, they didn't like it and they were hurt by it. And I, I sympathize with that. And I think it's, it is good. I mean, I have seen, I've seen kind of a mixed reaction, you know, how the people are saying the league is too soft or not the league, but you know, every people in general are too soft. And I don't know. I think it's, it is a little bit hard to make that comment, you know, especially if you are not personally insulted by it. And I mean, so it's, it, it it's a thing where people, you know, it is offensive. I'll say it, it straight up is. And it's just, you kind of, you have this mix of people where they don't like it, don't like the name being changed, but then at the same time, it probably should, you know, it's j- just because, you know, one person's not personally offended by it doesn't mean that others aren't. So it's overall, it is a good, a good thing. Uh, we'll have to see, I think what Cleveland, what they choose to do in the future or, you know, with this, with this new re- rebranding of their organization. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting, and it, overall, it is. I was happy to hear it. It's long overdue, and um, you. It probably should have been done years ago. But when I look at it, and Jacob, just quickly, I guess to compare to the Chicago Blackhawks is yeah. It the Blackhawk is, 
it's it's kind of named after the chief Blackhawk. It is, and it's to honor him. There's no, I guess, intentions of being offensive. And regardless, you're gonna have people offended with it or not. But I think there's been thorough investigations, and they're gonna stick with the name for now. And when you compare it to the Cleveland name and the old Washington football name, when you want to compare it, that that those were slang terms in terms of people of that culture, and that's why I think it differs from the Chicago Blackhawks, but we'll see what happens with that one. And I guess that one, you can't close the door on the potential of that being renamed down the line. I think for now they're going to keep it. But the other problem I have with this is just, I don't know how you say you're going to change the name and then say you're going to change the name in a year when, when you want to think about it, you've already removed the Chief Wahoo logo. Half of your uniforms already say Cleveland on it. The new primary logo is already done. There doesn't need to be any changes. It's already, it's almost like it's partially done. The completion of the name change and I just when you want to compare it to the Washington football team they had no changes to anything before the name change they made a new logo new uniforms and new helmets within a week and a lot of people like the logo a lot of people think the name may, may stick and that's why I don't necessarily agree with or actually no I don't agree with all with how you you say you're gonna change it but then stick with it for one more year that's why especially for Cleveland now I feel like it's easier because like I said all these changes have already been done and that's why I just, it just, it's a little bit of a disrespectful statement because at the same time you're saying you're going to disrespect people for one more year. Meanwhile, you're acknowledging that you've been disrespecting people for all this time. So that's the only thing I have to say. And I just, it's long overdue and you know, that's, that's just the way times are now. And of course it is going to go down in history because that name has been the name of the franchise for years. And, um, also, you know, people who think it's soft or anything like that, especially people who are Cleveland fans you're still going to be a fan of the team. Nothing's changing for you. Other like You still have the team's support, regardless of how mad you are with it, because at the end of the day, you're still going to cheer for that team, no matter what they're called. They can be called the Spiders, which would be a cool name, I think. They could be called the Cleveland baseball team for who knows how long. Uh, there's even rumors, I guess, of the Cleveland citizens, something like that, being trademarked or you know a patent, something like that, in the state of Ohio. Who knows how true that is, but I just... It's just something that was long overdue, and that's why it's also, I feel like, it's disrespectful at the same time. But, um, you know, I'm happy with the name change, and when you think of it like that, it was generally a slang term, um, which is why it was disrespectful. So that is why, but I think it's long overdue, and um, I just, I don't understand, again, how you've already pretty much partially almost completed the rebrand of your organization, and you're going to stick with it for one more year. So you're not called the Cleveland baseball team for one more year when that's just, it's, it's selfish. But, um, I guess at the end of the day, when you want to look at it, it's going to be, it's going to change eventually. And it's the step in the right direction for that organization. And there's a lot of support behind it. And like I said, for those who don't support it, just, or especially Cleveland fans, you're still going to cheer for the team. So let's not act like the team's leaving the city or anything like that. But yeah, it's just good for, um, Cleveland for my finally making the change. You know, I guess it all kind of, it, it it appeared it was going to happen after the Washington football team uh, renamed their franchise and rebranded all their logos and uniforms. So it was it was coming. It was expected. And um, like I said, it's just it was disrespectful from the start. And of course, over have times of change, it's gotten even more disrespectful and offensive. And now we're hearing the voices of all different cultures and minorities around the world. So it's a good change and a good step in the right direction. And in my opinion, a better look for the game. And of course, the organization itself in Cleveland. So uh, we'll see what happens. But whatever the name will be called, and I, I, ho I hope it's called the Spiders. I really like that name. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think they're you know they they make pretty cool uniforms out of it as well. But 
um, a step in the right direction for sure. Yeah, and I think I would say to anyone who maybe is a Cleveland fan and, you know, is upset with this news, I guess the first thing is just, like, it doesn't personally hurt you, the the, the old name of the team. It doesn't hurt you, but that doesn't mean it, it doesn't hurt other people, which we know it does. You know, there's a reason why um, indigenous groups have been advocating for a name change for decades. It's because it hurts people, and it's offensive, and it's offensive caricature, offensive, offensive iconography, whether it's a Chief Wahoo logo or the team name. So I... I, I, yeah, I just because it doesn't hurt you doesn't mean it doesn't hurt other people. And bottom line, this is still the same team. If you cheer for Cleveland, just because their name is changing, it doesn't mean that the team is changing. It's still the same city. It's still the same players. It's even potentially still the same logo if they stick with a primary C logo. Um, so it's still the same team. It's just a change in the name. I mean, if the Blue Jays decided for whatever reason that the name Blue Jays is no longer acceptable or is no longer marketable. Maybe there's they lose their trademark or something like that. I wouldn't. I, I would be a little bit upset, but I would accept the change and still cheer for the team under a new name. I think the name is just a way that we think of a team in our mind, but it doesn't really change our passion for that team. So, um, yeah. Bottom line, I think. Like you said, Bryson, this is way overdue um, and we should celebrate it, but also recognize that the way it's being done is fundamentally flawed. It could have been done a whole lot better. And um, I think it's kind of a slap in the face to those who are happy about this news because it's saying, yes, this is wrong, but we're going to keep doing it because it's profitable for us for at least one more year. So to me, that's, uh, that's kind of a slap in the face, but I think we'll end the podcast there. Thank you to everyone who's tuned into this episode. And this is our last episode, barring any emergency podcast before Christmas. Um, So Merry Christmas to everyone listening and happy holidays if you celebrate something else. And if all goes as planned, we'll be back again before the new year with one last 2020 podcast. And thank God it's our last podcast of 2020. It's been a crazy year, but um, we'll see you then. Until then, uh, you can always rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcast, and as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Section138Pod. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Upon the highest bar.